Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Uh, Today we are going to do another uh, mailbag um, covering uh, a variety of uh, different interesting players. We got some Blue Jays, Kevin Biggio, we got Vlad Jr., we have some questions about what's going on with Patrick Corbin, uh, Griffin Canning. Matt Chapman, covering a bunch of different players, um, strategy questions about you know which uh, backup closers or setup men we may want to uh, be targeting uh, moving forward as we approach the trade deadline. So a lot of really interesting topics to cover. Uh, this week, the podcast is actually uh, coming to you from my hotel room in lovely Visalia, California, uh, where I'm here for a uh, week-long Uh, work conference and so you may hear in the background a little bit of a uh, a hum Uh, if you do that would be the uh, moat the hotel uh, air conditioning Uh, I'm in a nice little uh, comfort suites here Uh, so that is um, you know it's been it's been a good week uh, long days of uh, training for this conference that I'm at but enjoying it so far you know I try to bring the podcast from everywhere. We've done it from Atlanta. Uh, We've done it, I think, from up in Alaska, where my family lives. Uh, We've done it now in Visalia. We've done it in Washington State. We've done it in Northern California. Uh, Wherever uh, I am, uh, I'm always trying to to bring the, the podcast and and, um, you know, uh, I enjoyed doing it. So uh, hopefully the, the audio quality isn't too bad because of that AC uh, blowing there. But, um, yeah, uh, if you do enjoy uh, this podcast or any of the podcasts, please do go to iTunes. Uh, leave a five-star rating and review. Uh, folks have been great. We are almost at 120 uh, ratings and reviews, uh, 118 of those being five-star. So I just cannot... Uh, thank folks enough for taking the time to do that uh, and uh, for leaving reviews uh, if you have a chance. It's very helpful in helping spread the word about the podcast and making sure people know about it and also in that uh, tricky Apple Podcasts um, algorithm. So thank you so much uh, for taking the time to do that. Uh, as usual, the best place to reach me is on Twitter at uh, BatFlipCrazy. Um, that is the best place to reach me. The website is batflipcrazy.com, although, as usual, <laughs> I have not been doing a great job of keeping that up. It is just tough to... These darn... I Having 14 teams this year, 10 of them with fab, is way too much. Um, if you find me next year signing up for this many leagues with fab, please do reach out to me and say, Toby, it's not good uh, for you to do that. Focus your attention on fewer leagues uh, next year. All right, we are going to hop into the June 13th mailbag. A bunch of really great great questions coming from Twitter. Let's get this party started. All right, let's get cracking. We are going to cover uh, mailbag with questions from folks on Twitter. Before I started that, though, I just wanted to give a little bit of... um, you know, the lowdown on pitching this year. I know we've heard a lot about how the ball is not necessarily juiced, but there's reduced drag on the ball. Balls are going further. Um, They're going a little bit faster. Um, And so for that reason, um, you know, pitching has been kind of, uh, it's been uh, terrible, (laughs) uh, to put it uh, mildly. And so when we take a look at the year-over-year increase in ERA, ERA for this year is up um, 0.34 uh, of a run, so like uh, uh, from 440 ERA being the league average this year, that's up from 416 last year. So that just gives you a sense of overall how the league is changing. Obviously, um, this is is a less scientific analysis of the ERA increase. I'm sure folks who incorporate things like weather and other factors into the equation will. Um, There may be some adjustment for that, but generally speaking, you know, a third of a run is what ERA has increased. Now, that may not seem like a ton. I mean, it may seem like a ton, but if you just think about that, just tack that on to any of your regular pitcher's ERA and see what it does. You know, I have a question about Patrick Corbin later. So, you know, Patrick Corbin last year had a career year, but let's just say that his 
um, projection entering the year was to have like a 3.5 or a 3.75 ERA this year. Tack on uh, one-third of a run to that, and you're talking about a low fours, high, f- high threes ERA, right? That makes a significant difference. Now, the good news is generally speaking, you know, this is impacting pitchers across the board, and it may even impact pitchers more and more as the weather heats up. We're not even in summer yet, and so that's just something to factor into the equation. Obviously, it's not going to impact all pitchers the same, right? Folks who give up, um, you know, fly balls may be impacted a little bit more, um, but, you know, it's just something to consider as you analyze pitchers, right? Don't look at the ERA and immediately, you know, toss somebody aside who looks like they're going to have a four ERA because, you know, that's pretty close to a three six five ERA from previous years. So just consider that as you think about um, pitching moving forward. Continue to monitor what the adjustment is and make sure you're looking at rest of season projections for a lot of guys. I know that the bat is already incorporating that into both hitter and, and pitcher rest of season projections, uh, the change in the ball. And so just make sure you're paying attention to that um, moving forward. All right, let's uh, jump into the uh, mailbag. So the first question comes from at J underscore blue 24, a long time uh, listener and uh, engager on Twitter, if that's a thing. Um, thank you for the question, Jay. The question is, when will Paul Goldschmidt come back? Now, I covered uh, Goldie a couple weeks back, and I'm still not too concerned. Um, the major areas where he's been weak so far this year are stolen bases and RBI. For RBI, he's only hitting 231 with runners in scoring position, and that might help explain why uh, the RBI total is so low despite batting in the middle of a, a decent lineup with the Cardinals. He's also only uh, four of his 13 home runs have come with runners on base. So there's another factor where luck is playing into the number of RBIs that he has. In terms of the stolen bases, I think folks who are hoping for a decent chunk of stolen bases from Goldie this year were uh, a little bit optimistic. Um, Goldie only had seven stolen bases last year. He's nowhere near the guy that he's been in the past. And he's moving to the Cardinals, who aren't necessarily a team that likes to steal bases. And he's batting in the middle of that lineup, surrounded by some decent hitters. And so for that reason, you know, I was not expecting a lot of stolen bases from Goldie. Uh, that's why I'd given Freddie Freeman a little bit of a... Um, uh, a bump over him beginning uh, heading into the year but at the same time I don't think there's huge reasons to be um, concerned uh, you know his expected WOBA for Goldie is 375 which is decent um, he's hit, hitting over 300 over the last um, two weeks uh, that 375 expected WOBA is over the last month um, which is solid. I think it's just a matter of time. I mean, the only area where there's a little bit of concern for me is in the stat cast metrics. Um, his barrel rate is down from last year. But again, remember, last year he struggled early on. He heated up in the middle of the of the year. And so maybe there's just an adjustment period uh, moving over to the Cardinals. Uh, I don't see anything in the underlying numbers that jumps out as a huge red flag. So keep sticking him in your lineup, and hopefully that uh, comeback will come soon. Uh, if you own Goldie. All right, the next question uh, comes from a good friend of mine, uh, Andrew Matney at Midnight Matney on Twitter. And his question is, please explain why Jason Vargas is now unhittable. Well, uh, Drew, I hate to break it to you, but Vargas hasn't been unhittable. He has given up some hits, um, but he's definitely been... uh, And he, he, you know, he's maybe been a little bit of lucky, a little bit lucky. Over his last five games, he has a 3.4% home run per fly ball rate. So obviously that isn't going to continue, especially when you consider that uh, over the last two years, it's been at 16.7% last year and then 12.1% two years ago. So that's definitely going to go up. Uh, He also has an 80% strand rate, which is particularly high for a guy like him who doesn't strike out a bunch of guys. When you look at the underlying skills, there's really nothing that stands out. The swinging strike rate um, is low. The end zone contact rate is high. Uh, There's nothing in the control metrics that points to any particular drastic changes. Um, He does have a 286 expected WOBA over the last month. So, you know, he's pitching well. He's not giving up a lot of quality of contact. But but what we know from expected WOBA um, is that that it's not predictive, right? It describes what's happened in the past, but it's not predictive of the future. Um, and for that reason, and because of just the, the uh, you know, who Vargas is as a pitcher, right? He's a guy who pitches to contact. Um, 
changes in 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 the quality of contact that he's giving up um, can be significant and uh, they can have a big impact and so I'm not really targeting Vargas um, anywhere maybe he's a matchup play now if he has you know a good matchup or a two-start week that isn't terrible Uh, but other than that I am staying away from Vargas and hoping that I don't catch that regression um, on my team Uh, the next question uh, comes from uh, at Dolph Haldhagen, which is the Twitter handle for Alex Chamberlain, uh, fantasy uh, sports writer of the year, I believe, uh, for fantasy baseball. Uh, really great fantasy baseball researcher, somebody that you should definitely be following. His question is, how do I stop my teams from sucking? Well, uh, that's pretty simple, uh, Alex. Uh, you just listen to this podcast and you follow my Twitter feed and you should be in pretty good shape. Um, also, you should definitely follow Alex um, and all his content. That um, His Twitter handle, again, is at Dolph Haldhagen. Uh, it's at D-O-L-P-H-H-A-U-L-D-H-A-G-E-N. That's Alex Chamberlain at uh, Dolph Haldhagen. He's a guy who has gotten a couple shout-outs um, in the Reach Charles segment for the terrific uh, fantasy baseball research that he puts together. So definitely follow him. Um, next up is I got two questions uh, from one of the major strugglers this year, Jose Ramirez. Um, Jose Ramirez, current year versus last year. This is from at Davithius. Um, and then I got, should I drop Jose Ramirez because he's bad at baseball? This is from at underscore daddy M. Um, it's a bit, Jose Ramirez is a really hard guy for me to peg. I think he's a hard guy for a lot of fantasy baseball analysts to peg because when we take a look at the numbers, they're still pretty good, right? Um, you know, and the longer this goes on, it's just getting weird, right? He's seen slight declines across the board. His plate discipline isn't quite as good. His contact isn't quite as good. His barrel rate isn't quite as good. His pulled hard hit fly ball rate uh, has taken a little bit of a decline from last year, but there's nothing glaring, right? We're talking about minor changes in the underlying uh, profile. We're not talking about major changes. And so that's what's so baffling is, you know, it's understandable. Maybe Jose Ramirez, right? Like if you were batting like 250 or 240, uh, that might be one thing with, you know, uh, eight home runs instead of what we might expect like 15 or something like that or 12 from him at this point in time but we're talking about a guy who's batting 200 with four home runs on the year it just doesn't really seem to make any sense Um, I think at this point in time I mean if you drafted Ramirez right unless you've been really fortunate with later picks you were relying on him for stolen bases and you were relying on him for power and he's coming through with the stolen bases although it's hurting you in other areas and but it's really hard to drop him right like or not drop him. I don't think you're really dropping him, right? But it's really hard to trade him, you know, because number one, you need to be getting stolen bases. So are you going to be able to get those stolen bases back? And then are you going to be able to get, you know, the project production that you were theoretically um, hoping from him? Um, or is the guy that you are likely to get moving forward, you know, um, it, it, it is, is that person going to be able to provide um, the level of production that you that you need and and I think the answer in most situations is no and so I think what you have to do um, is in most situations is roll with Ramirez and now if you're getting a good uh, uh, you know if you're getting a good offer for Ramirez if you're getting a guy who can fill that stolen base need I think that that's one thing um, but you know if you look at like the bat rest of season projection for Jose Ramirez he's got a 284 batting average 19 home runs 59 runs, 56 RBI, and 13 stolen bases. That's awesome, right? Um, and so, you know, that's, you know, that's that's the projection, right? And maybe he's a guy now who is going to finish, you know, he's just one of those anomalies that isn't going to live up to his projection. But again, when you look at the underlying metrics, they're not as bad, right? There's definitely a quality of contact issues. His expected batting average, his expected slug, um, is not as good as where it should be. But, you know, again, like the hope is that the, as the weather warms up, uh, maybe he becomes a little bit more more successful. So definitely, I think of all the strugglers this year, Jose Ramirez is just really the hardest one for me um, to, uh, to pinpoint what exactly um, is going on, although it's clearly a quality of contact issue now that he's got nearly a full year of just this terrible 
BABIP and batting average. Next up, uh, the question is from at Sir Matthew Black, another uh, frequent listener of the pod and engager on Twitter. Why does Corbin keep getting shelled against crappy teams? Um, let's take a, a little bit of a deep dive into Patrick Corbin. I think there are quite a few signs that are very uh, concerning from my perspective. Uh, 85 and a third innings pitch so far, a 4-1-1 ERA, uh, a 1.22 whip, 94 strikeouts, and a 4 Sierra, and a 3.98 XFIP. When we take a look at the fastball velocity, that doesn't seem to be the major issue with Corbin. Um, his fastball velocity is actually up in his last couple starts, um, and it's up at 91.9 miles per hour this year, which is actually higher um, on average than last year by uh, a half a mile per hour. However, his O swing is down 5% at 33.3%. It's still a very solid number. But one thing that's important to remember about Corbin is Corbin has one of the lowest zone percentages in all of baseball. He does not throw the ball in the zone, and he relies heavily on being able to get um, strikes uh, on pitches outside the zone, um, and particularly with that slider. And so even though he's got a strong O swing at 33.3%, it is down from uh, 38% last year, so down 5%. When we take a look at his first pitch strike rate, it's at 59.8%, so slightly worse than league average, um, but that's a 5% drop. So he's also getting behind hitters more frequently. The zone percentage is at 36.1%, so very low. That's about 7% below league average. Um, His percent of pitches that are balls, um, this is a metric that I'm starting to include in some of my analysis. I actually haven't done research to figure out whether it actually you know, means something. Maybe if somebody wants to take to take a look at this, it's very easy. You just go to StatCast, you do an advanced search, you pick pitch result, and you go and then you search by percent of pitches. But it would be in pretty. In, it, it seems pretty intuitive that the percentage of balls that you throw would have a direct impact on your walk rate, for instance. Um, so his percentage of pitches that are balls is thirty three point six percent. League average is thirty three point seven percent. So we would expect him to have around a league average uh, walk rate, I think. Just looking overall at the metrics, right, getting folks to swing at pitches outside the zone more, uh, getting, uh, but throwing the ball outside the zone less frequently. Uh, So just something to consider. Um, The strikeout metrics have also uh, taken a little bit of a dive. If you look at his in-zone contact rate, it's up at 87.9%, which is worse than league average. Um, and that's up 5% from last year. If you actually look over his last five games, that in-zone contact rate is up at 92%, uh, which is very, very high. That means like every single hitter is among the league leaders um, in in in-zone contact rate, just to give you a sense of that. His swinging strike rate is at 12.2%. That's actually down 3.5% from last year um, when it was above 15%. And if you look at his last five games, again, it's down around 11%. So uh, a big concern there. His CSW, that's his called plus swinging strikes, um, divided by pitches, that's at 29.7%. 28.7% is the overall league average, so he's still slightly better than that, similar to how he's slightly better than league average on swinging strike rate. He's actually much better than league average on swinging strike rate, but it is headed down. His K-minus walk rate is at 18.2%, so better than league average. Babip at 288. His strand rate is at 69.5%, which seems a little low. Uh, so may have some positive regression there. And then his home run per fly ball rate is right around 14%, so right around league average. But when we look at his expected WOBA, it's at 327, and his um, WOBA is at 299. So he's actually um, doing better in terms of outcomes than maybe the skills would indicate. That would be quality of contact plus walks uh, and strikeouts. And then when we look at his the bat rest of season projection, it's a little scary uh, 433 ERA, a 131 whip, a 116, um, or 116, uh, a 131 whip, and then 116 strikeouts in 101 innings. So, um, you know, initially I thought, ah, it just looks like a little bit of regression for Corbin, but I'm actually a little bit more concerned uh, about what it might what might be going on here. Um, When we look at the skills across the board, um, they are down. Uh, They are down recently um, as well. And then when we take a look a little bit deeper at his pitch mix, right, his slider is his go-to pitch. 
It's still doing well this year, but the swinging strike rate on it is down 6%, and the O swing is down 10% on that pitch. And remember, he relies really heavily on that O swing um, you know, to help uh, limit uh, the walk percentage that he would have otherwise with such a low zone percentage. Over his last five games, his zone percentage is also around 31%, which is just, it's pretty unsustainable. I mean, regardless of how high your O swing is, unless it's like in the 40s or something like that, which isn't taking place for Corbin. So a lot of concerns with, with Corbin's underlying profile. I'm not sure exactly what is going on with him, um, but whatever it is is not good and we just got to hope if we're owners of Corbin um, that we uh, that that he's able to identify what that problem is and make uh, adjustments accordingly all right the next uh, the next three players um, comes from uh, suggestions are from at TA Gates 99 it's Jesse Winker Nick Senzel and Aaron Hicks um, Winkler has really struggled recently, and I think it's pretty clear why. If you look at his 30-game rolling average, his ground ball percentage has surged at the same time that his hard hit rate has fallen, and so we're not getting the quality of contact that we really want from him. Um, his ground ball percentage over those 30 games is approaching 60%, while the hard hit rate is below league average, and Winker, at least recently in his career, has been well above league average in that hard hit rate. At the same time, his contact rate is falling, um, and it's actually falling down to about league average, and he's normally pretty elite at that. So all in all, some pretty bad signs for Jesse Winker. Again, you know, we're dealing with small sample sizes. He's got a pretty um, uh, steady track record at this point in terms of strong plate discipline, strong contact skills, but his quality of contact has definitely fluctuated throughout his career, so he's not quite there. I think, you know, uh, I would hold on to him. I mean, in 12-team leagues, you may want to think about um, dropping him at this point. In deeper leagues, you're obviously holding on to him, um, I think, and just hoping that he can he can kind of turn it around. Because we saw last year what he's capable of when all of those skills are headed in the right direction. Next up, Nick Senzel. I'm going to do a little bit of a deeper dive on Senzel. I had put something up on Twitter a couple weeks ago um, you know, about what I really appreciate about Senzel. Um, when we take a look at him, 271 batting average, uh, 329 OBP, 22 runs, 4 home runs, 14 RBI, and 5 stolen bases and 159 plate appearances so far. I did do this research yesterday, um, or not yesterday, I guess while you're listening to this, it's probably Friday. I did this research on Wednesday night, so just something to consider um, as I go over these numbers. They are, are subject to change. Um, so uh, when we take a look at the skills, though, I really like what I see. O swing at 27.4%, so better than league average. In zone contact rate at 85.7%, so right around league average. His overall contact rate is at 80.5%, which is uh, about 3% better than league average. Uh, hard hit rate at 42.6%, which is really nice, better than league average. Ground ball rate right around league average at 43%. His expected WOBA is at 332, so slightly better than league average. His overall WOBA is at 338, so right in line. Barrel percentage better than league average at 7.5%, 12 barrels overall for the year, and then a 107.6 max exit velocity. So overall, Senzel, especially, it's his rookie year, right? And, and um, I think what I like the most is that there's a really solid foundation of skills that he's showing. Uh, he's at or better than league average in all the skills that um, at least you know, I'm really looking at um, in a lot of ways. And when you take a look at his rest of season projection for the bat, it's also pretty solid. So a 258 batting average, 47 runs, 12 home runs, 42 RBI, and eight stolen bases. Um, so again, you know, those eight stolen bases, uh, if he hits that projection, should come in handy as should the 12 home runs. And overall, you're looking at a, a rookie season where he's going to where if the projection, if you add the projection to the existing numbers right now, um, you would get uh, 16 home runs and 13 stolen bases, which is a pretty good return for a rookie season. And again, um, all the skills are pretty nice. Uh, next question. Uh, actually, we didn't we didn't cover Aaron Hicks. I forgot to do the research on Aaron Hicks. I really like what I'm seeing from Hicks. The plate discipline is really really good. The key for for Hicks is the contact rate. You know, it fluctuates a lot. Um, you know, uh, he's kind of at least um, that's one thing that I've noticed is is it tends to go up and down. There seems 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 to be pretty high variance for Hicks, um, and uh, right now it, it's up. Um, he's seeing the ball. He seems to be seeing the ball well. He's making a lot of contact. Um, he is uh, showing great plate discipline. And then the fly ball percentage and the hard hit rate are also up. 
um, for Hicks. And so, um, you know, I just, you know, I like to see that um, from him. It seems like things are kind of coming together. He's returning from injury. And he's at least showing skills similar to what he showed um, during his peaks last year. And it's nice to see that because I think, you know, we're going to see a lot of what we saw last year from Hicks um, moving forward. All right, next up, uh, the question is, I've been streaming Jalen Beeks for great ratios and cheap wins. Uh, no win today on the regular. Haven't heard anyone but at uh, Mayak1 underscore 91. That's at M-Y-A-C-H 1 underscore 91. Even mention him this strategy. A lesser owned Chirino, uh, Yanni Chirinos, if you will. And this is from at Open Bar Dudes. Um, yeah, I have Beeks in a number of different leagues. Um, in 12-team leagues and in 15-team leagues. I mentioned him back on the May 1st podcast um, as the new Ryan Yarborough. Uh, This was after, I believe, Yarborough got demoted and Beeks kind of plugged into where he's been. Um, He's pitched really well in that role, and he's carved out a regular spot after the opener and the rotation, so he's part of that kind of regular main, one of the five main pitchers. And I think the one of the keys to Beeks' development, which I mentioned uh, back on the May 1st podcast, um, is his cutter. Uh, it has a 21% swinging strike weight so far this year, which is really nice. Um, overall, Beeks has been, he hasn't been great, but he's been good enough. A 304 expected WOBA, you know, so better than league average, but not, you know, a, an elite number. And I think he plays for a good team with a decent offense. And they're not asking him to do more than what he can do, right? They're only letting him go through the order two times. So he's not going to get a ton of innings pitched. He's generally going, you know, four innings or so um, in each one of his outings. But, um, you know, because he's going after the opener, getting those wins can be easier for him. Um, And so for that reason, you know, if you play in a wins league, I think I would go after him even in 12-team uh, leagues, you know, he had a tough matchup earlier this year, earlier this week against the A's, uh, and he pitched really well. And then he's going to be going uh, on this weekend as well. So I think Beeks is definitely a guy that um, you know that that you want to target in these leagues because I do agree um, with at Open Bar Dudes that he's a good source of wins, um, and and I do think that I mean he's not legit legit as in like a great pitcher. But I think he's a good enough pitcher who's in an ideal situation with the Rays, with the Rays' defense, um, and then pitching after the opener and getting access to those wins. So this is a really great suggestion. Um, And then a shout-out to folks who have been touting um, Beaks, I think, for a while now. Uh, Next question. Which setup men and and teams uh, that expect to trade their closer would you stash? I picked up Tony Watson. Uh, by the way, change the Twitter handle. I'm not a Russian bot. This is from at Stephen Cohen. Uh, it's now 8LGM. I'm assuming you are a Mets fan, Stephen, and that stands for Let's Go Mets. Um, Stephen, before in the last podcast, he also had a question, and he had like 17 numbers after his name. Uh, and so I gave him a little bit of a hard time that he might be a Russian bot. So he has made that change to at Stephen Cohen 8 LGM. So, you know, this is actually interesting because I dived in a little bit about like, okay, who might be expected to trade their trade their closer and who might you stash? Relief pitching just has not been that good this year. Um, it's really tough. So the three names that I came up with, and I'm going to give a shout out to at J-Dub, the gamer, another regular listener of the pod who suggested I do a little bit of a deep dive on... Um, uh, on 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 Wingenter, I don't even know if that's Wingenter Wingenter on the Padres, who I hadn't really been considering much, but and then you realize that the Padres are probably out of the playoff picture, um, you know, at this point in time, or at least they're they're they may be sellers um, if they're realistic about uh, about their chances, and so um, but the three guys that I came up with, and again, this was a lot harder than I would generally expect. So the first one would be with Brad Hand in Cleveland. Um, I believe Hand is going to be a free agent after this year. And so the the Indians don't have a ton of reason to hold on to him for longer. Uh, Nick Whitgren has been the guy who has been, um, you know, kind of getting, uh, getting the eighth inning duties for the Indians. And it's not a bad position to be in. The Indians aren't a great team so far this year, but they do play in the AL Central. And that's not a bad place to pitch. 
Um, you know, so Whitgren might be is probably the handcuff there for Hand. The skills aren't great. Um, you know, overall over the season they're not terrific, but when you take a look at recently, they are better. Uh, his swinging strike rate's a little uh, bit over eleven percent. I think over his last uh, five or so uh, outings, um, the O swing and everything else is you know kind of in line, right around league average, slightly better than league average. So he might be a guy that I I would target. Um, at this point in time. Uh, Tony Watson, the aforementioned Tony Watson, who Steven uh, picked up, is another guy that I would look after. I think Will Smith is definitely going to get traded, and I do think that Tony, Tony Watson will will um, potentially get uh, the, the saves um, out of that Giants bullpen just because he has been around um, a lot uh, for a long time. The skills are really nice, 12.7% uh, swinging strike rate. You know, last year he had a mid-twos ERA. He's doing that again this year. He's just been very, very consistent. I think um, uh, Reyes Maranta, Maranta might be another guy who could get looks at saves, but uh, for me, number one, Maranta is a young guy, and so if they do get him saves, uh, that's going to impact him in arbitration and his salary moving forward, and so I think they'd rather rely on a veteran. And then Maranta has struggled recently. Um, he's getting hit uh, at a decent clip, and then I think he is also... Um, he also doesn't have great control metrics. He walks a lot of guys. So it could be that they end up going to him. They could always go back to Melanson. He already, he already has that huge salary, um, but he hasn't been hitching, pitching great, um, I don't think, either. So I do think Tony Watson is the handcuff there. The only question would be whether um, there's another lefty in the Giants' uh, bullpen, um, you know, because they, they would want to uh, keep him available for um, for that situation. But... Um, I do think Watson, just from a skills perspective too, is probably the best add in the Giants' bullpen. Um, and then there's Wingenter. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that uh, correctly or not. Um, he may be the most intriguing in, in case uh, Kirby Yates does get traded. Um, Yates has obviously been absolutely lights out uh, this year and would probably uh, take in a haul. Uh, Wingenter... Um, you know, 15.8% swinging strike rate for him, 34.7% uh, K percentage. This is after last year. He was really, really good too. The O swing isn't great. Um, he does walk a good chunk of batters around 15.8% after 13.6% last year. So there's a little bit of danger there, but he's also been able to manage um, uh, contact a little bit over the last two years. 256 Babbitt last year, a 209 Babbitt um, this year. You know, let's check out... Um, Let's check out his WOBA and expected WOBA differential. Um, we're going to do that right now. Um, okay, so when we look at Wingenter, ah, oh man, the, the bummer with relievers is they just uh, don't give enough, up enough batted balls, so you always got to ch change the, uh, the features or the filters um, on. Okay, Wingenter, a 286 expected WOBA, a 269 WOBA. Um, let's take a look at uh, Whitgren. A 299 expected WOBA, a 242 uh, overall WOBA, so we may expect some regression if things continue as they are there. Uh, then Tony Watson, um, 299 expected WOBA with a 290 um, WOBA. Let's look up um, Maranta just for the sake of it. 306 expected WOBA, 283 WOBA, and then let's take a look at Melanson too. Man, don't you just love when we're doing this on the fly? A 294 expected WOBA, so maybe it is Melanson. Um, uh, you just never know, and it's always hard when there isn't that clear guy um, who's going to be coming in next. But maybe it's Melanson. Maybe that would be the guy that I target. Tony Watson is the lefty out of that bullpen. So consider that, and, and you probably can get Melanson um, on, the, on the pretty uh, cheap here. Um, you want to know something? I'm going to look up Melanson because I was not uh, thinking about him as a potential option because I didn't think he was pitching well from earlier in the year, but I just want to make sure that that may, be, may not be the case. 10% swinging strike rate. You know, there's nothing great about it, but he does have a 329 ERA. The whip is atrocious uh, at 1.39. Um, but, you know, the projection isn't terrible. So maybe it's Melanson that I would be targeting um, in that bullpen there, or else if you can, you know, get them all and, and see who ends up getting it. Because I do think that Will Smith is the one guy out of these uh, this group that will definitely be traded. And outside of that, like, you know, there's just not a lot of great closers and there's not a lot of great guys behind them. Alex Colomay is obviously a guy who uh, would kind of stand out as a guy who's probably going to be traded. Um, but there's just a smorgasbord of 
pitchers behind him today Aaron Bummer uh, got the um, get the save opportunity he does have a 235 expected Woba but he also has a Babbitt that's under two um, and he's not really striking out um, a ton of guys if I if I remember correctly um, and so for that reason I think um, you know it's just a little bit of a crap crap shoot a little bit of a shit show um, with the White Sox bullpen because nobody really uh, stands out as being um, particularly good but you know um, you know and Bummer's on a little bit of the younger side so whether they want to get him saves or not I'm not sure but either way um, I'm kind of staying away from that White Sox bullpen outside of uh, Alex Colomay. All right up next we have uh, Ryan Braun uh, and uh, Luke Voigt were suggested by at my cousin Timmy. Braun 270 batting average 320 OBP 28 runs 11 home runs 37 RBI and four stolen bases in 232 plate appearances so pretty nice for where he was going in drafts o swing is at 38 percent although it has been improving recently in zone contact rate at 88 percent although it has been going down over the last 30 games that's the trend uh contact rate 75.5 percent that is a four percent decrease um from last year in his overall contact rate so you see the strikeout rate gonna go up probably as a result of that Hard hit rate at 45.3%. The ground ball rate is very high at 53.8%. It's particularly high recently. When we look at the stat cast data, 336 expected WOBA, 338 WOBA, 19 barrels, 8.2% barrels per plate appearance, and a 111.7 max exit velocity. So all around solid numbers there, what you'd expect from Braun. You know, it's not great, but it's very good when he plays, and he's been playing consistently, which I think is the key to him um, uh, getting some good value for folks. When we take a look at the bat rest of season projection, um, it's pretty nice for him. 272 batting average, 334 OBP, 45 runs, 15 home runs, um, 43 RBI, and six stolen bases. Um, So uh, in total, if you add the current production with the rest of season projection, you're looking at 26 home runs and 10 stolen bases from a guy that you were drafting around an ADP of 200. Uh, And to go with that, you're going to get 80 RBI um, and maybe uh, 70 or so runs. So really nice production there um, from Ryan Braun. I would expect him, you know, to continue to uh, provide some fairly consistent Um, production when he is in the lineup and so long as he stays um, uninjured. Luke Voigt is up next, a 263 uh, batting average, a 380 OBP, 44 runs, 16 home runs, 44 RBI, zero stolen bases, and 287 plate appearances. The O swing is solid at 26.4%. The end zone contact rate is at 79%, so below league average by about 6.5%. Uh, but that is up by 4% over last year, which is a nice sign. But his overall contact rate is around what it was last year at 68.6%. That is about uh, 8% lower than league average, so not not great for Boyd. Uh, the strikeouts are going to be there, but as are the walks, as you can tell by the good plate discipline. Hard hit rate at 37.3%. Now, this is actually down 10%. Uh, for Voigt. And then his ground ball rate is at 39%. That's 4% higher than last year. So a little bit of concerning signs for Voigt there. Um, When we take a look at his 30 game rolling average, the ground ball percentage is also way up and the hard hit rate is down. And so that's just something to consider. Again, it's a 30 game rolling average. Um, There's going to be some variance in those metrics, but it's just something to consider. Like you don't want him hitting the ball on the ground and you want him hitting the ball hard, and he's not doing that as consistently. When we take a look at his rest of the season bat projection, um, 261 batting average, 345 OBP, 50 runs, 18 home runs, 49 RBI, and one stolen base. Combine that with what he's done so far, you're looking at 34 home runs, and then you're looking at about 95 runs in RBIs with the 260 batting average. Like That's money for where you were, where you were buying Voigt. Um, so uh, again, some recent struggles, um, you know, at least in the underlying metrics for Voigt, uh, something to certainly consider and to monitor, but um, you know, he's been uh, a pleasant, uh, I don't know if he's a surprise, but he's been pleasant in the fact that he's getting regular plate appearances and continuing to produce. Uh, Matt Chapman and Griffin Canning is uh, recommended by at PV Despeedy. Um, so taking a look at Matt Chapman, uh, 249 batting average, 336 OBP, 41 runs, 16 home runs, 36 RBI, zero stolen bases in 298 plate appearances. 
O-swing is at 23.6%. We've come to expect that from Chapman, very solid. He's held on to most of the contact gains from last year. Uh, In-zone contact rate at 84.2%, so slightly worse than league average, but his overall contact rate is at 79.8%, better than league average. Hard hit rate at 43.9%. His ground ball rate is up 4% this year at 44%. Not a concerning level, but uh, slightly worse than league average. Stat cast metrics, a 361 expected WOBA on a 355 WOBA. So the uh, results uh, matching the underlying skills in general. 22 barrels, 7.4% barrels per plate appearance, and then a 113.3 max exit velocity. The bat rest of season projection is 256, 337. 55 runs, 21 home runs, 55 RBI, and two stolen bases. When we combine uh, those two, uh, so his current production already, um, and then the rest of season projection, uh, you're looking at uh, 37 uh, home runs, uh, 96 runs, uh, 89 or 91 RBI, uh, and a couple stolen bases. So really nice production from Chapman especially since he didn't really fly up drafts uh, in terms of ADP uh, this year. Um, you know, people weren't necessarily buying what he was able to produce last year. I would say the one thing that, that that's challenging with Chapman is he's providing, you know, he's providing great production, but the batting average and the stolen bases aren't necessarily the, like our two scarcest categories are not necessarily what he does great at. And so if you can you know, trade Chapman maybe for a guy who can help you out in average or stolen bases. Uh, that might be one thing that you want to consider. When we take a look at his recent 30-game uh, trends, the hard hit rate is up for Chapman. The pi- the plate discipline is a little bit it has been worse recently, and the contact is also down slightly. So again, you know, that's just a 30-game rolling average. It's a smaller sample size, but just something to note in terms of trends. Uh, Griffin Canning, uh, 44 and a third innings pitched, a 3.65 ERA a .99 whip, 47 strikeouts in those 44 and a third innings, a 385 Sierra, a 445 XFIP. Fastball velocity is at 94.4 miles per hour, so pretty solid uh, right there for, um, you know, uh, just in terms of velocity. The O swing is really nice at 35.1%. That's among the league leaders. First pitch strike rate at 59.7%, slightly worse than league average, but not terrible. The zone percentage is uh, 37.1%, so that's uh, about 6% worse than league average, um, but he's helping to compensate that uh, for that with the high O swing. The percentage of pitches that are balls is 33.6%, uh, and uh, 33.7% is uh, league average for that. Uh, in-zone contact rate at 82.2%, so 3% uh, better than league average. The swinging strike rate is at a really nice 16%. Um, that is uh, super. Uh, that's, that's, that's awesome. Uh, that is elite. Then, then the CSW is also well above league average at 32.5%. 28.7% is league average there. He's got a 26% K rate and a 5.5% walk rate. For, that's good for a 20.5% K minus watch grade, which is very good as well. Um, the one thing to consider with you know the underlying skills kind of point towards uh, maybe uh, what should be a higher K rate uh, potentially um, than what he's got right now, and then the walk rate. Um, you know the the metrics there suggest that he should have a little bit of a higher walk rate, so it may even each other out. But just uh, take into consideration that the K minus walk rate is solid. The BABIP is at 239. So pretty low there. The strand rate is pretty high at 78.5%. The one thing that I'll note, though, is he has a 272 expected WOBA and a 286 WOBA. Um, So he's actually been a little bit unlucky uh, so far this year, even though some of the the quote-unquote luck metrics um, that we can look to are a little bit... um, uh, you know, uh, are pointing towards maybe some regression there. His home run per fly ball rate is at 12.3%, so that's lower than uh, league average. Um, so that might be why the XFIP uh, is a little bit higher. Uh, the key for Canning has been that's his slider, 27.6% swinging strike rate. That's really, really nice. And then he's got a curve and a change, which have 14% swinging strike rates on them, respectively. Uh, that's helping uh, boost up that swinging strike rate. You know, Canning, in some respects, actually reminds me a little bit of Patrick Corbin. I mean, I think there's a lot of similarities in the profiles um, that we're taking a look at, um, you know, and, and it's kind of an interesting thing to think about. Like, who would you rather have rest of season, uh, Griffin Canning or um, Patrick Corbin? I'd probably lean Corbin still, just because who knows how many innings the Angels are going to let uh, 
uh, canning throw, but a lot of the metrics are pointing in a much better direction for um, canning than they are for Corbin. The bat rest of season projection, though, for canning is not great. 455 ERA, a 131 whip, 85 strikeouts in 82 innings. Uh, next up, uh, what players are you trying to buy for 80 cents on the dollar if possible? Uh, I guess it's really trade targets. This is from at John O'Hartles. Um, if you go back to last week's episode, I did cover some underperformers and some overperformers. So, you know, kind of your traditional low, buy low, sell high type of guys. So go back and take a listen to that. Um, some of the things that I use in taking a look at who I want to identify as uh, somebody to go after would be taking a look at the differential between WOBA and expected WOBA for hitters and pitchers um, and just uh, you know uh, just go to Baseball Savant and click on the differential and see who's got a big differential and then do a little bit of a deeper dive on some of the players take a look at the recent skills and whether you think um, there should be uh, better days ahead I know just a couple guys that jump out at me uh, Zach Wheeler I know he didn't pitch well this year uh, but I would target um, you know him as a pitcher and then I also think that uh, Noah Syndergaard falls into this category as well although the slider concern the the slider not being as good as it has been uh, does concern me a little bit but Jono just go back uh, listen to last week's episode I mentioned um, some hitters and pitchers there uh, Will Myers please from at TZFB fan uh, this one uh, kind of hits uh, close to home for me because I own Will Myers in my three biggest leagues, my two main events, and my TGFBI. Uh, the batting average obviously hasn't been great, but when we take a look at the overall production, 219 batting average, that's not good, but a 323 OBP, 33 runs, 11 home runs, 22 RBI, 9 stolen bases, and 232 plate appearances. Uh, the O swing is really nice at 28.1%. That's down 6% from last year, although it's in line with where he's been uh, historically throughout his career. Uh, the problem with Will Myers, the major issues he's had this year is with contact. His in-zone contact rate is down 6.5% at 76.6%, so that's about 9% worse than league average. That's not good. And then his contact rate is at 67.9%. That's a decrease of 9% from last year. So he's gone from right around league average in terms of his overall contact rate to, to about 10% worse than league average or 9% worse than league average. That is not good and something we need to see improve. The good news is that recently that contact rate has started to go up. And so hopefully that's the start uh, of a little bit of a better contact rate for him moving forward. But his hard hit rate is at 54, 50.4%, which is awesome. It's an increase of 4% from last year. His ground ball rate is right, slightly worse than league average at 44%. Stat cast, 330 expected WOBA, 325 WOBA, 14 barrels for a 6% barrels per plate appearance, and then 110.5 max exit below. Um, so the stat cast data isn't necessarily overwhelming, but it's at a position where if he does get hot, um, it could definitely increase. Um, and I think a lot of that dip in barrels per plate appearance is probably because his K rate is so high. It's not necessarily the quality of contact he's making on a regular basis. Um, when we take a look at the bat rest of season projection, it has him at 250, uh, which is encouraging. 333 uh, OBP, 50 runs, 18 home runs. 45 RBI and 10 stolen bases. When we combine the current production with that rest of season projection, um, you know, you're still looking at uh, two, um, uh, you know, 83 runs, uh, 29 home runs, 67 RBI, and then 19 stolen bases, right? So uh, 29 home runs and 19 stolen bases in you know, the context of this year is going to be a contribution. I think the key is, uh, you know, whether he is able to uh, keep that batting average up. I mean, I think that that is that is the key, right? If he can get that into the 240 range, the 250 range, uh, it makes those home run, that home run, that power speed combo go so much further. Next question, Stanton, Maeda, Morton, Buttry, and Jimenez for uh, Chapman, I'm assuming Matt Chapman, Michael Conforto, Chris Paddock, uh, Erod, uh, Robles, I'm assuming Hansel Robles, and, uh, uh, and Green. That actually reminds me, uh, one, one closer that you definitely should look at is Joe Jimenez um, on the Tigers, um, you know, if Shane Green gets traded, which I think is uh, probably likely. So the question is, in a vacuum, which side do you want? And this is at dispatch underscore Jesus. 
Um, you know, uh, analyzing trades in a vacuum is difficult, right? So like if we look at this trade, um, the team on the left, uh, so the team that's that's got uh, Stanton, Maeda, Morton, Butchery, Jimenez, that's a ton more pitching, right? Maeda and Morton are both uh, pitching pretty well this year, Morton in particular. So that's really, really good. Stanton obviously has major injury concerns, but uh, when healthy, he can he should be really, really good. Ty Buttry and Joe Jimenez don't currently have access to saves as is. They may have saves down the road, but um, you know they don't right now. Um, let's see. Actually, let me ch- let me check out Joe Jimenez's um, numbers so far this year. I know the swinging strike rate, at least the last time I looked, um, was uh, was was pretty high for Jimenez, but I'm not sure the actual production has been. Um, that good, and my um, my internet is being slow. I'm as I mentioned in the intro, I am in a hotel room, um, and so you never know what you're gonna get. Okay, it's not coming up, but so there's that, and then when we look at the other side, right? It's Matt Chapman and Michael Conforto, so you're getting two hitters who you know I'd argue like in a deeper league, I'd rather probably have those two hitters than I would just Stanton, but then Chris Paddock obviously got sent down. Um, Erod has been uh, struggling uh, a little bit. He has not been consistent. So there's a huge difference in pitching, I think, between the two offers. Uh, there is not a huge, um, at least in starting pitching. And then the, the hittings is pretty similar. It's just a matter of whether you want the one guy or you want the depth. So I think the, the number of teams in the league would make a big impact. If it's a 15-team league, then I probably want Chapman and Comforto. Um, if it's a... a a shallower league than I want the higher ceiling that maybe Stanton has because it's easier to replace some of the power uh, for Chapman and Conforto. But we don't know how many innings Paddock is going to pitch. Um, Erod has been inconsistent. I think Robles and Green have access to saves right now and Buttry and Jimenez don't. Um, so, you know, trades and vacuums don't actually um, exist. You know, like the closest to it is points leagues because then it's just a matter of like which which side you expect to have more points. Um, so what I would say is, I think in shallower leagues, I'm leaning towards the Stanton, Maeda, Morton uh, package. I think in deeper leagues, maybe the Chapman, Conforto package. But again, so much of it depends on whether you need saves or not, um, whether you need starting pitching or not, and how much you need hitting uh, and that depth. So that's how I would go about looking at that deal. Um, I'm not going to say one way or another because vacuums don't exist and you know, like I'm, I am not doing like an overall analysis of what each player's projected value is for the rest of the season, adding those together to figure out which side has more value. So hopefully at least that exercise of going through that is helpful in thinking through what some considerations um, might be um, in terms of which side of that deal to take. Um, but thank you for the question at dispatch underscore Jesus. All right, Vlad Jr., exclamation point, exclamation point, underwhelming so far. This is from Dan McEwen. Uh, regular listener of the pod and engager on Twitter. Let's take a deep dive into Vlad Jr. so far. 255, batting average, 321 OBP, 16 runs, 7 home runs, 17 RBI, 0 stolen bases in 159 plate appearances. The O swing is right around league average at 30.7%. In zone contact rate better than league average at or at 87.8%. And then contact rate at 75.6%. So slightly uh, worse than league average. The hard hit rate though, Better than league average at 43.5%. Ground ball rate up at 47%. He has been unlucky at 375 expected WOBA with a 332 WOBA. 13 barrels, 8.2% barrels per plate appearance. So that's nice. And then a 118.9 max exit velocity. That is the hardest hit ball um, in all of baseball. So that shows you um, what we're looking at in terms of Vlad Jr.'s potential from a batted ball quality perspective. The bat rest of season projection is a 287, 351 OBP. So really nice there. 48 runs, 16 home runs, 46 RBI, and two stolen bases for Vlad Jr. So Vlad Jr. has been unlucky and he has been heating up recently. Um, I think if you take a look at the expected WOBA leaderboards over the last uh, month and a couple weeks, Vlad Jr. is all over those. Um, he's way up in those. And so I think he's starting to uh, get a little bit of a hang of it. Um, in terms of Major League Baseball, I think he is going to be fine moving forward. 
any sign of Manny Machado being at least average. He is and has been not good away from Camden Yards. This is from at gpool200. Um, I covered Machado in last week's episode, and what I said essentially was that um, you know there's no major change in the skills. The contact rate is uh, slightly lower than it has been in the past, but it's starting to work its way up recently, and he's really just a week or two um, of being hot away, I think, from being similar to what we might have expected from him. It's funny, I got a question about him today, and I said, you know, he's just uh, one or two hot weeks away from being about where we expected him to be, um, and that he has four games in cores, and that that's going to be helpful. And lo and behold, he hit two home runs today, um, drove in, I think, three runs, um, you know, went three for five, a few more of those games, and you're looking at, you know, Machado being pretty close to what we might have expected, especially when you factor in. I think most of the projections docked him a little bit when he moved to, um, uh, you know, at moving out of Camden and uh, and moving to um, uh, Petco or whatever they're calling the San Diego Stadium these days. So I, I think that um, he should be uh, he should be okay. Uh, next up, Kevin Biggio. Play discipline numbers look good, but no results yet. This is from uh, Matt Olson, not Matt Olson, the first baseman for the Oakland A's, but at M-O-L-S-10, at Moles10. So Biggio taking a quick dive. I'm not going to take a look at his numbers so far because he's only had like 52 plate appearances. But as you mentioned, the plate discipline numbers are really, really good. O-swing at 9.2%, so that's elite. One thing, though, that's important to consider for Biggio is that his swing percentage is only 32.5%. That's 13% lower than league average, so he's getting a ton of called strikes against him, and that's why his uh, strikeout rate is so high. In-zone contact rate at 82%, so worse than league average, but his overall contact rate is right around league average at 77%. His hard hit rate is at 48.1%, but this might be a little bit misleading, um, you know, and I'll get to that in a second. His ground ball percentage is at 29.6%, so really nice and low there. But when we take a look at his expected metrics, on Statcast, a 321 expected Woba on a 270 Woba, so that is, um, you know, the 321 is right around league average, but it's still not great. Heading in today, he to today he only had one barrel. He now has three because he hit two two home runs today. So that's going to shoot that barrels per plate appearance up um, considerably. I think he should now have uh, three in 57 at bats. Um, which is still going to be pretty low, but much better than a 1.9%. And then his max exit below is really low at 104.6 miles per hour, and that's even including today's home runs. And so, um, you know, the 192 BABIP isn't going to stay there, but I think the batted ball quality is a question for Biggio. Um, He's just at least has not, so far in his 60 or so plate appearances, has not shown the exit velocity or quality of contact that we want to see, despite having that high hard hit rate. All right, so that is going to cover this week's mailbag. Some really good and interesting things there um, to take a look at. Um, Some great player suggestions. Please do continue to, um, you know, reach out to me if you do have any questions, either uh, when I put out a message saying that I'm looking for mailbag questions or topics to cover in the podcast, um, or just reach out to me, um, hit me up on my DMs. They are open, and I do my best to respond to those, not always, like, this week I've been pretty busy with a with a pretty um, long uh, conference. That's a week long conference with a, a decent amount of travel on either end, and so I haven't been able to be as responsive this week. But I do try to get back to people um, whenever they ask questions, and if I don't, just feel free to keep on uh, asking away, and hopefully I will cover it um, at some point. That is going to wrap us up for episode 80 of the Batfoot Crazy podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions for the mailbag. Uh, I thought we uh, were able to cover a number of different uh, interesting and hopefully enlightening or somewhat enlightening, I guess that's probably the most I can hope for, uh, questions and player analysis. Um, some just really interesting things going on. I mean, the landscape has changed so dramatically this year, especially with pitching, with the new ball, um, and also with hitting because of the new ball. And that is uh, making some things more challenging and uh, it's providing opportunities in other spaces. So uh, really, really interesting there. Again, hope uh, the audio quality was good coming from my hotel room uh, here in uh, Visalia. Um, I, um, yeah, 
uh, keep those questions coming. Uh, really looking forward to um, continuing to do this mailbag segment. I'm enjoying just the diversity of questions I get to answer and take a look at. So uh, thank you uh, so much for doing that. All right. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball research. Best of luck with all your fantasy baseball teams. Take care and be kind to one another.